Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And we're back with another episode of the podcast this week, uh, hot on the heels of a book release that had me absolutely giddy. Hoo-hoo-hoo! Um, in particular, the a book called The Broken Realms, Techless, which... Uh, is a smaller book release at a series that Games Workshop is putting out, but it kind of got John and I thinking that this is something that is almost unique to Games Workshop, that uh, in addition to sort of the army books that I think even the newest of players understand the concept of, that Games Workshop has a habit of putting out sort of secondary books in the interim between editions that aren't codexes or battle tomes. And I think for people who are new to the hobby, those books might be a little confusing as to exactly what they even are or what they're for. Because let me tell you, John, it confused the hell out of me when I first got into this. Yeah, uh, the best way you can kind of compare them to anything else in like the gaming like world is uh, supplement books for tabletop RPGs. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good apt sort of comparison. Um but as we were sort of talking about it, we decided it's probably worth a full episode because of the ongoing narrative for the Broken Realms in Age of Sigmar. And, you know, some of the stuff that they're putting out in 40k that we may not like as much. Yeah, and for a little peek into, like, how this works behind the scenes, we literally were just, like, chatting before we were going to record, being like, well, what else do we want to record? Like, we're trying to just get a bunch of recordings done, what are we going to talk about? And, like, we got onto the topic of some of the new more book releases and started jabbering about them and getting on this long tangent until Joe just goes, John, <laughs> idea. <laughs> we need to just talk about this. Like, we, we are currently jabbering. <laughs> <laughs> about these books for like an hour before we're supposed to record for an hour why don't we just talk about this in the show <laughs> <laughs> we had a pre-podcast to our podcast and so help me if there's a post-podcast recording amanda's going to kill me um yes because there's a birthday dinner being cooked as we record this because we wasted our first hour of recording time yeah, you done goofed. I can't help Don't it. Worry. We're professional podcasters. I, I am fully convinced that I'm just racketing up the like the ticker until uh, like I see Amanda again after this long period of like isolation, and she's gonna be like, for every time that you have gotten Joe distracted from something I needed him to do, I'm gonna slap you, and I'm just gonna spend like an hour getting slapped by Amanda, <laughs> just thrown into the dirt, curb stopped. She's going to yeah. hop at you from the top rope, people's elbow, you into oblivion. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, what a time. Can't wait for quarantine to be over. Um, but yeah, John and I are currently recording as much as we can. Um, so I haven't had a whole lot of time in between, but there is nothing I'd rather be doing on my birthday than giving y'all an episode, especially on a topic that I am super interested in. You're very jazzed about this. I am. I am. So... Moving on into the topic proper, I think we should talk about what these books are. Um, if It seems like for our sort of casual bent, we might have a number of hobbyists who are kind of new into the hobby, whether that's Age of Sigmar or 40k, whichever one you decided to hop into, especially considering our like 10-part beginner series on getting into the hobby that we did to, yeah. to sort of start the channel. I'm thinking there might be some folks still listening who are newer. Um, and for them, the idea of what these books are might be a little obfuscated or a little confusing in terms of their actual purpose. So, and for you veterans out there, we'll be also discussing more towards the end of the episode about uh, 
how we want to improve them with speculation. If oh, yes. I uh, really enjoy that shameless speculation. Because I think there's room to grow, and there's always room for me to make guesses about stuff that's wrong. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> Racking them up. Um, so first off, what are these things? And that's kind of hard to answer because they're not always the same. Um, especially between Age of Sigmar and 40K, uh, they slightly vary. But in the broadest terms, they are small pieces of narrative that contain extra rules for specific forces. And that's a key part. Specific forces. So, for example, uh, in 40K, they recently released... What was it, John? The Book of Rust? Book of Rust, like Warzone Caradon? Yeah, Caradon. Yeah, Caradon, Caradon, Caradons, Space Wolf Sharks, stuff. Um... And that book contained rules for, specifically, Admech, Dark Elves, Knights, Death Guard. Death Guard. And, you know, if you aren't playing one of those forces that are in the book, well, the book's not really going to have any much in it, in it for you, more than likely. And that seems to hold true between a lot of these. Um, for those who are playing codexes that don't have ninth edition books like new uh, codexes released you probably are using something called a psychic awakening book which is a second book that you have in addition to your codex that was a series that they did that were all supplemental books that they did rapid fire to get ready for the release of ninth edition and, those and then you've got some similar. stuff like in the past of like 40k of uh in Forge World, they used to have Warzone books where it was like very hyper-specific to a specific planet and fight with very specific missions. And like that's where like the Court of Krieg army rules came from and like stuff like that. And Or you even had on the different side of the spectrum in the end of 7th edition, uh, Traitor Legions, a book that was just for the Traitor Legion space, of Chaos Space Marines. And there was no lore in it. There was no like new stuff. It was just rules. <laughs> no <laughs> mechanics? Like, just dead. rules? There was no missions, there was no, like, narrative, it was just rules about, and, like, a little bit of little lore bits about each individual legion, but it was, basically take the Space Marine supplements you have now, slop them all together in one book for Chaos Space Marines. Holy, okay, that's a little so different. GW's done some wacky stuff with their secondary books, which is neat, because it means that they're always trying to like find what works and what doesn't work, and that's their like, experimental ground in a way. Yeah, they're pushing the envelope a little, which is helpful. Um, and this also happens on the Age of Sigmar side. Uh, so, for example, in recent memory, they did a book called The Wrath of the Everchosen, which was awesome. Um, it was a narrative book talking about a specific event that was happening in the lore to push the narrative forward, where two big factions went to war with each other. Uh, in a story that played out across a rather sizable lore section of the book, telling you about different battles that happened, who won, who lost, why, what the ramifications were from these battles. And then after the lore section, they gave extra rules, again, for a specific list of factions. Largely for Chaos Factions, because they needed it. And similarly, they are now doing another series called The Broken Realms in Age of Sigmar. And boy howdy, these things are incredible. Um, they are packed full of lore that 
Don't worry, for those of you who haven't read them, I'm not going to be talking about what happens in them here. Because, you know, spoiler warning, I don't want to ruin any of those books. They're brand, they're fairly new, and I don't want to, like, if someone's trying to keep up with the narrative, I do not want to spoil what happens for you. And the fact that I can give a spoiler warning for those books should speak to just how good they are. Um, that specifically, they're sort of like Psychic Awakening getting ready, we suspect, to transfer us into a third edition of Age of Sigmar. But there, each book focuses on a single character of importance in the Age of Sigmar universe and kind of follows them as they try to accomplish some sort of goal. The first book followed Marathi, who is sort of the high queen of all of the Dark Elves in Age of Sigmar. The second book just came out following Teclis, who is the mage god of the Lumineth, and him trying to carry out a goal against Nagash, the god of death. And uh, with that comes rules for a number of factions that were in each book taking part in the narrative, helping to mechanically spruce up some armies that might have been kind of left behind in the ensuing years since second edition released, and also giving us extra lore to think about and to kind of hype us up. So if that's sort of what they are, I think the next general question that I asked as a new player and that people out there who might not be so sure about them or even even some who know what they are are asking are probably do I need these books yeah I mean it's a yes but it's also a no uh but also sometimes definitely but sometimes yeah absolutely not yeah it, I don't think uh, I could possibly phrase it the less logical way we didn't give you an answer because it's kind of determining on what army you play um, yeah like right now if you play say lumineth realm lords you can just go buy their new Re lumineth realm lords book that's gonna have all the rules from teclas broken realms teclas in it with all the old rules from the road codex in one place you're done you don't need any more on the other hand if you want to do something like uh play chaos space marines right now well you're gonna have to go by the chaos space marines codex and realistically if you want to be able to play with ninth edition against ninth edition codexes you're probably going to want to pick up the faith and fury psychic awakening book and then wait for your codex to come out for ninth edition yeah it is like you know if for some armies that secondary book and the rules that they're in are largely what's keeping you relevant yeah and the current meta um it's similar for Tyranids. You know, if you're a Tyranid player, you really, really need the rules that are in their secondary book for Psychic Awakening to try to stay relevant if you're trying to punch above your weight class. However, yeah. some factions, eh, you're doing fine without them. Like Admech right now, from what we've seen from uh, Warzone Cardon, uh, you probably don't need it. You're doing fine already. Or like the new Drakari book. The codex stands just fine on its own. Yeah, probably don't need the new supplement. Yeah, like the like maybe down the way, something will come out like a new strategy or something will come out that if you're trying to chase a meta, there's an answer specifically in that book against it. But that's a very niche thing. It's not for like the army as a whole. Uh, the new Jukari book is just kind of okay, as it is. Yeah, I think it stands just fine without that supplement. Um. And it is somewhat similar in Age of Sigmar. Uh, although, I will say Age of Sigmar is a little skewed because it seems like they focused 
uh, on some factions that needed love. So in those, you know, in those cases, you need it. But in others, you just don't. You just don't. And I wish I could, like, be more specific for all the listeners out there and tell you exactly which armies need them and which don't. But that doesn't really future-proof the episode. <laughs> um, and it it gets a little into the weeds that we don't like to do. Um, but I think this uncertainty is part of what we're going to talk about here in a minute when we start talking about our critiques because i do not like the fact that this is so different for different factions yeah it's very inconsistent and where that inconsistency can bring like a lot of cool experimentation it can also bring a sense of frustration for somebody who like their buddy might get like the faith and fury book from psychic awakening and be like oh that's awesome i got a bunch of cool stuff from my chaos marines i also happen to play space marines and i got a bunch of new stuff for space marines and that oh look at me i've got all these super cool rules and i've got all sorts of toys i can play with there's a million different ways to play my army now awesome and then there's other people that go like harlequins they have like a model that doesn't actually go with their army and like a handful of rules or like Decrons, which got a model and like nothing. And that book was only relevant for like two, three months. Like yeah. People who bought that only got it for two or three months. Yeah. And so they're kind of a toss up to buy sometimes. Like I, I don't, I, I venture to say you should not just immediately buy every book that comes out for your army. You should genuinely think about the purchase. Uh, yes. And if you're ever unsure, this is the place where I would tell you to look around the forums, look around Facebook groups, ask around in comment sections, uh, and genuinely ask more experienced players, hey, like, do I actually need this? Is this worth having for our faction that we both play? What's in it? And for anybody who's been playing that faction for a, a fair amount of time, a vast majority of those folks will be more than happy to kind of break it down for you. You know, if... If someone asked me that for Tyranids, for example, I'd say, yeah, like, you're probably going to need that because there's a lot of stratagems in there that make us viable, particularly in terms of the Exocrine that takes that model and allows it to punch above its weight class that in many situations will keep us relevant. And also the adaptive uh, evolutions give us a hint of flexibility that we didn't have before, which right now is just barely keeping us hanging on in terms of being able to play the game. So you're going to need it. And... With that answer, I would hope that someone could make their own decision. And also, like, it depends on your, like, playgroup, your your local meta, who you're playing with all the time. Like, if I don't get a book, and I, I just, maybe I'm going to play it in something else. Like, right now, me and Joe play Tabletop Simulator pretty frequently. We're currently not playing any 9th edition books versus other 9th edition books. We're just playing 8th edition books versus 8th edition books because it's just easier that way. Yeah. We don't have to worry about the power levels being too unbalanced. And, like, we can just have a good time. But if he wants to try out a new Space Marine, like, list, well, I'm going to go find a list to crank out out of something like maybe Space Wolves or Death Guard or something for him to actually play against. And I think that secondary books kind of come with that, too. Uh, if my buddy's got a secondary book that's incredibly powerful, well, maybe I'm going to pull out my powerful faction. Uh, if he doesn't, if he has a secondary book that isn't quite as powerful and wants to play with some of the new toys in there, well, maybe I'll bring one of my more fun casual armies mm -hmm. you or can like tone fun it down. casual lists. 
I think that's where the secondary books really shine is when they're used to add variety and when they're used to add like uh, spice to your local friend group, like new missions, new stuff to play with, like a new type of playing in a way. Yeah, I think it, it gives you a little breath of fresh air and it is a great way to take some armies that are in need of help badly and to give them help, almost like a, a patch in a video game, uh, sooner than sort of just the battle tome cycles. Because generally speaking, in between, like, if your army gets a battle tome and it comes out, you're probably going to be waiting like three years, maybe four years before you get another one. Yeah. And some hold up okay over that amount of time, but... More than a couple don't. Looking at you, my boy Skaven. Hey, what up, rat guys? I'm just gonna sit over here, cry it over Sylvaneth. Don't mind me. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm also crying as I look deeply into my old corn demon can book and go, World Eaters, you were good once. once. <laughs> Dreaming about better days. Um, Glory days. Glory days. Yeah. Destroying uh, the empire. Glory days. <laughs> Yeah, some books just don't hold up, and and supplements that are fairly good, it's a way to put a crutch under those books to help modernize them, and I think that's great. It's the closest thing we're ever going to get to, like, a, a hot patch or a hot fix uh, in terms of, like, this very physical hobby. They're also just fun. Like, I, I know, like, a lot of people get wrapped up in the rules section of these books, but, like, I love the lore parts of these books, even the Psychic Awakening ones. A lot of people were very upset about it, but they had a lot of, like, little tidbits in there. Were they worth their money? Probably not necessarily for some of them. But there was a lot of interesting and fun stuff in them. And I just, I love the experience of new book come out. Look at all the stuff in the new book. Yay, new book, new things. Even if they're not like army stuff that I'm going to play with. Even if it's just the story from Wrath of the Everchosen of like the night haunt flying over a like moat of lava to attack a keep was just that's objectively cool. Oh my god, to, metal to, like, it's like a it's like a Dio album cover. It is. It's a Dio album cover. And those are fun. Like that's that's part of this game. Like if we everyone just wanted to play like a strategy game, we would just be playing on the computer. If everyone just wanted to play like dudes fighting dudes in a simulation that's perfectly balanced, we'd play chess. And even chess isn't completely balanced. Like we're in here because some part of us really likes that Dio metal album cover. So we want to see more of the art. We want to see more of the stories. Like we want to be immersed in that world. And the secondary books kind of take certain other books and push them together. So like, like we'll look at the new Warzone Rust, right? Well, it's talking about Admech versus Death Guard versus Dark Eldar. They all together. Like and Imperial in, in Knights. One thing. And Imperial Knights, all together, in one. So all these disparate books are pushed together, and it's like, well, this is what happens when they meet on a battlefield. Without it being a novel. Yeah, I think that's very cool in theory. But I think there are some problems with execution and consistency. Yep. <laughs> I think when yep. it's done right, it's incredible. You know, for example, Broken Realms, as I mentioned, I think it's done incredibly well. Uh, oh, I might have to do a spoiler episode on Broken Realms to chat about it, but don't worry, y'all. I'll give you big warning before anything would happen like that. Big um, warning TM. Yes, yes, yes. However, some of them, not 
so consistent, which I think kind of leads us into sort of the next point of what are our thoughts on them and how to improve them? And I, I think that's my first one is you've got to be more consistent with the lore content. Um, and for me, I think this is especially poignant in terms of difference between the game systems. Um, and I don't know exactly why this is because I'm new to both. But I've been playing AOS at 40k sort of since the start of 8th edition and since AOS got points for the first time. And in that time, I have seen supplemental books come out for both. And generally speaking, the 40k books drop and amount to some guys fight. Some of them died. They fought evermore. And like, that's it. That's, that's the lore. That's it. Um, especially sort of like, I remember I was super, super excited when the Psychic Awakening dropped for me, because I, at the time I played Tyranids and Blood Angels and both of those were in the same book. So I remember it was a Friday evening. I cleared my schedule for the evening, like told my lady, like, I am not going to be available. I'm going to go up to my local gaming shop. I'm going to grab the book. I'm coming home. I'm going to read it. And I'm going to figure out what's happening next in this world. And the answer was nothing. Nada. Nothing happened. Three planets that didn't have any significance were fought over. Two of them were victories. The third wasn't. And the repercussions were... Nothing. And... That's a huge feel bad. And I find that a lot of the 40k supplements are that way. Whereas in AOS, I don't know if it's a difference in the comfort level of the writers. I don't know if they just have more sort of leash to explore new concepts in. But I feel like with, especially with these like Broken Realm books and Wrath of the Everchosen, those books came out and told a significant story in the realms that actually pushes the, not just like, that character story forward, but the entire settings narrative forward all together. And they just keep doing it over and over in every supplement so far. I've got a, I'm going to put on my conspiracy theory hat. Oh and, God, uh, get the tinfoil. <laughs> say that it's because uh, marketing, like when, when you switch from Warhammer fantasy to uh, Warhammer age of Sigmar, you had a series called the end times and they were also secondary books that were not army books. And they were like basically told the end of the story of that world. Mm -hmm. They were not received well. They were received poorly because a lot of it was bad writing. And a lot of it was like just kind of ruining this world people had spent decades in. And people got mad. And so people just didn't play Age of Sigmar in the beginning. It's also because Age of Sigmar released like bad. Like, they didn't have when points. They just, like, didn't have points. Like it was kind of stupid. Like <laughs> It was rough. And they improved, and they, they, they fixed some of their mistakes, but I think that that has made GW gun-shy with taking their older properties and kind of, like, doing these overarching, sweeping writing changes to them outside of novels. Um, and so when they released Primaris Marines at the beginning of 8th edition and have, like, slowly released these kits to kind of, like, redo the whole Space Marine range... They've they yeah they've been like released models for other factions and throughout, but it's mostly been space marine focused for a while, and so they had to like have a catch up 
couple of years to make it make sense as they push the narrative in the future. And we're going to see over the next couple of years if that narrative actually is going into a like drastic change and like different things. Now that they've caught up for the most part by having like this psychic awakening that kind of brought every faction to where, where are you sitting now? Now that we're in the Indominus Crusade. Because uh, the timeline jump between 7th and 8th edition was pretty big. It's not talked about enough, but it was it was about a thousand-ish years, almost. Like, the 41st millennium is now the 42nd millennium in the current setting. And so there's there's been a lot of stuff that's happened. Like, the Indominus Crusade started and ended already. The, you know, Primaris Marines have been deployed all over the galaxy there's been a whole lot of stuff that's happened in this period of time that they haven't finished fleshing out. I think Psychic Awakening was was part of that. And I think it was marketed wrong. I think it was marketed as this thing that was going to drastically change the way you look at Warhammer 40k, and then it wasn't. It, it didn't it, change the way anybody looked at anything, other than yeah. how favorably we viewed their book releases. Yeah, like it, it, it was more of like a catching up the lore with where we're at now and that's kind of where all of eighth edition was for 40k it was like okay we did this big change and now we're going to catch up to that change yeah and i'm hoping ninth edition really pushes that envelope i haven't read the book of rust yet i want to but like i know what's in it but i want to see if there's any like cool stuff in there because you did see some of that stuff with like the fabius bile stuff but like all right let me ask you this what happened in pariah nexus because let me tell you, I can't tell you. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, there, I know there was, like, that anti-psyker sister that was involved and some Necrons. But, like, I don't remember anything world-shaking coming out of there. Well, I mean, the world-shaking stuff that came out of Pariah Nexus was that the Necrons have an actual endgame now. Like, they're not just all waking up out of their tombs and, like, we're going to spooky skeleton our way through the galaxy. Like, they're like, no, we're going to create a power, bla- power base and we're going to actually start doing big plays and big moves as the silent king has returned and is now like sitting in the center of pride nexus and the, the imperium just cannot invade it like they cannot attack it because they just don't have the manpower to do it because the pride nexus does something to the human consciousness wait they didn't have a plan before these like ancient highly brilliant super beings who well, like mastered were... science time and space were just like were twiddling their thumbs they're a little tired man they're waking up <laughs> I'm just making sure that that's the story I missed. We'll okay. get we'll get into it in the in the War of Heaven, but essentially to sum it up, the Silent King always kind of made their decisions for them, and without him there, they kind of fell to infighting and in petty squabbling. And they're like, that's part of their royal aesthetic. And huh. now that the Silent King is back, they're kind of going, oh, dad, oh dad's back. <laughs> he said there's something really bad out there. We need to like fix this galaxy first well how are we gonna fix the galaxy uh what if we just killed everybody he <laughs> turned them into robots oh yeah that's a solution i think uh <laughs> that's some sort of solution i guess yeah I, don't know. I guess i expected more i don't all right all right good to know um but yeah i think for me that's my biggest criticism is like there is such a difference in consistency um, that I would like to see short up because I want to be as excited for 40k releases as I am for AOS releases, but I'm just not. And I I hope that changes as we go forward. I uh, also think that AOS has the benefit of from the beginning of its creation, they kind of built it to be around center focused figures. 
mm-hmm. for these secondary books. Like that's one of the reasons why these Broken Realms books are so good is because it's not about a faction. It's about a sp- specific person. Oh yeah. It's about gods Marathi, and it's about like Teclas. big players. Yeah. We have the one coming out for Bellicor. And then Kragnos. Yeah. And I think that if we had a 40k version that like, yeah, these war zones are cool. I can't, I'm chomping the bit for a war zone Armageddon. Don't get me wrong. But I want to find out more about specific characters. I think every faction needs their like keystone character that has a model that's a centerpiece and has like a, a, a huge story they can go off of with them and follow to really relate to that faction. Uh, that's one of the reasons why Beasts of Chaos is not as popular in Age of Sigmar. They don't have a named character. Yeah, they literally not one. Yeah. Which is incredibly frustrating. And, like, they're a very fun faction, but they don't have the same benefit as something like Skaven, which are, like, in them, in themselves, are the character. <laughs> and you also have Thankwool, like, yeah, who is, who is a named character who actually can make decisions in the big game, which matters. But, like, so for me, consistency is my big gripe. What about you? Like, if you could give GW one piece of advice... If they somehow stumble across this episode, what like what would be your big wish list? Like, what would be your number one thing on your wish list for them to sort of change about the these supplemental books going forward? Well, for these supplemental books going forward, what they need to do, um, and I think this is a need, is that they need to separate them away from the competitive side of things. Uh, the rules that get released, like I, I just do not think that these need to have supplemental rules in them. I think that they they need to create something else. If you're going to tie lore books to rules, you're going to end up upsetting both parties to a degree. And you're even seeing that with these AOS books. Where like narratively, for instance, the new Teclas book, you love the narrative of the Teclas book. Oh, so good, yeah. But the rules are incredibly powerful and make the army almost unplayable in a casual setting. It do, but that's a whole other episode topic more than yeah, like. <laughs> but with... And that's similar with the 40k supplements. There's some times where a 40k supplement will have amazing rules in it, and the lore might be, eh, like Blood of Ball. The rules for Blood of Ball, great. Lore for Blood of Ball, not that great. Mm-hmm. A lot of the lore in some of the other Psychic Awakening books, like I personally like the Pariah Nexus lore, but the rules were terrible, so nobody bought the books because everyone thought they had to buy the books for the rules, and when they heard the rules were terrible, they didn't want the lore. <laughs> like... <laughs> So if they instead separated those two things, yeah, you can add rules to them, but use them for like crusade. Like we have crusade right here. It's, it's right. It's right, right here. Everyone's playing crusade narratively, make narrative rules for war zones, for like narrative stuff, all in that book, push the narrative forward with these books. You're going to, people who play crusade are going to buy them. They're going to buy them like hotcakes. It'll be fine. Make a separate book for rules. You know, maybe maybe the answer is to have, like, your normal army book. Like, every edition, you have your new army book. And then a set period of time in the in the life of that book, after so many years, you readjust. You refocus where they're at. Kind of like they do with, um, what's the points changes that come out yearly? General's uh, Handbook? Chapter, yeah, well, General's Handbook updates points and chapter approved for 40k. Yeah, chapter approved. Like, chapter approved, they adjust the points every year cool awesome do that with actual rules like look at the mechanics of the army and change it up every like say you have a four-year cycle for these books two years say you have a three-year cycle for this books year and a half 
like come to that middle point and go, is it still functioning well enough to be playable at a normal setting, like at a normal against every every other book that's out? No. Okay. Well, they're going to get a supplemental rules add add on. Keep it low cost. People will buy it. Done. Like that's that should fix the problem with rules to lore disparity, and also it means that GW is forced to make better quality lore for the books that they're selling. Because they're selling the lore. They're not selling the rules. Yeah. I mean, I would still buy books that were just lore. Like, just to be honest. I would. I mean, hell, I buy novels. just And they have nothing mechanical to them. I just want to know what the story is. Yeah. I, I want to... I love the art. I love the lore. Little narrative stories. Little tidbits. I'll listen to it on YouTube. And then I'll just go buy the book because I want it. Mm-hmm. Like... Or you could uh, also throw battle plans in there, how they used to mm-hmm. do with like some campaign books, which we haven't yeah. gotten one of in a long while, um, where it was a story that you played out on the tabletop. So it was largely lore inside of it. And then instead of having a bunch of extra rules, they give you battle plans where like you yeah. just read the story of what happened between in this book bet- like between whatever factions are involved. And now you get to play it out on the table with your friends to see if you have the same thing occur like or maybe it yeah. goes a little differently for you yeah like or even add in some sort of like weird like build your own adventure book thing with like if this player wins this happens if this player wins this happens oh that'd be so and cool do these battle plans like that would be amazing and people would buy that people would pay 40 bucks a pop for those books to play with their friends like, oh my god the, like Imagine if they put out a book with, they called it Rumble in the Jungle, where it is the realm of life in Age of Sigmar, where the Sylvaneth, the Beast of Chaos, and like Nurgle, who are all fighting over the realm of life, go toe-to-toe to see who is king of the jungle. Holy God! Take my money. Yeah. Take my 40 yeah. bucks. Take and it. they could even use these to like release them in correspondence with other releases. Like, let's let's do some, some baseless speculation to say that GW wants to release Exodite Eldar in the future right like elves riding dinosaurs like techno barbarians awesome rad objectively cool we know these feral orcs are coming out right that's awesome love them great yeah what if they released a campaign book that was like hey rumble the jungle but in space like what if we had that (laughs) and Uh, oh so good and you people would buy that. People would buy that book because they would have a friend that would, and especially if there was like a box, like a two-person box set that went with it. Like you could buy this two-person. Like we'll look at Piety and Pain, right? This came out, and it's Dark Eldar versus Sisters. If they released a campaign book that went that you could buy in addition to that, you could sell that two-person box set to two friends that go, "I want to play Sisters, and I want to play Dark Eldar." Okay. We, we bought this box, we split it, we're going to play what's in here, there's a story in here, and then they have a secondary book that goes with it that you can buy to tell you the story of what happens after that box. Mm-hmm. And you can then play like a series of like maybe 10 games, like 5 to 10 games from that book with those battle plans, in which they might give like unit suggestions on what models you should go buy because they, they're, they're in this battle. Oh, so good. Like that... That, that it's free marketing like and it's it, great it's and wonderful it separates the the issue of having the narrative and like the mechanics together yeah um, 
yeah, I like that idea, John. I, I think that would actually be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think the idea of supplemental books are a good one. And I think it's one of the reasons the Games Workshop games are so prevalent in the market, in addition, of course, to the models. Uh, but like these secondary releases create an incredible opportunity to help align things as the edition ages, as it will always do. Um, and I would hate to see it sort of hindered or tossed just because we have some crit like because there are criticisms for it. I would instead love to see it fluffed up and fixed to be even better than they are. You know what I mean? Because I think yeah. there's value here. Yeah, I think there is absolutely value there. But I also think GW needs to come to to understanding that in the future they're not going to be able to keep doing this. Like, like selling selling army books and then secondary books is just going to be a thing of the past within ten years. Like, even D&D is starting to get away from it with D&D Beyond, where they just sell digital versions of everything. There's digital format. Like, yeah, they're selling it. Like, but they're not selling physical books. They're oh, selling, yeah. like, the PDFs. They are. And that doesn't even touch on the idea of 3D printing, which is a yeah. whole other... Oh, my God, John, write that down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll, get it, we'll get into, like, the future of the wargaming hobby in an episode, but, like... People that just want the rules aren't going to want to keep spending $100 in books a year to be able to play this game, y'all. Like, they're going to want to be able to just buy the, buy the rules. And that's not even considering all the FAQs that come out separate from your physical books that happen multiple times a year. And their app is not that great. It, their app needs to be, like, updated and fixed to where it, they have an opportunity with the app. Like, the app could do some great stuff. I mean, it could help fix your problem right there. Like, yeah. If you could just update the rules that are in the app with the FAQs or with, like, army updates, boom, done. Especially if, like, when you buy a 9th edition codex, right? You get a code for the for the app, right? Mm -hmm. If that code didn't just give you the rules that were in that book, but also gave you all future updates, not just the FAQs, but all army updates until the next edition... People would have zero problem spending sixty dollars on that book and buying the app and paying for the app. For the insurance that I have this codex, I will not have to buy another book only for rules. And then that also means people are probably more likely to want to spend money on models or spend money on like lore books because they're just lore books to play with their friends. Something to it. I think you're onto yeah. something. And yeah. of course we will circle back to that when we talk about what we think the future of wargaming is gonna look like. Because uh, John and I have talked about that at length. Um, oh, yeah. We talk about it at length weekly. But I think, like, in conclusion for sort of this episode's topic, before we ramble on too long and I get stabbed, um, I think <laughs> these secondary books are good, but flawed. But with a little yeah. bit of work, they could be great. And in AOS, they're already getting close. I mean, like, I, I hate all the kind of the... I feel like we've been a little negative in the second half, and I don't like that, because I'm not really that type of person, so I'm just going to go back to this for a hot second. Listen here, folks. AOS players. Not these 40k players with their machine guns and their laser cannons and their primarks and whatnot. No, no, no. Just for my AOS, folks. Listen here. I, I'm your buddy. I haven't steered you wrong. Not yet. If you haven't read Broken Realms, got you You got to find yourself the lore. Uh, YouTube... Get the book yourself if you got some skin in that game with an army in it. You got to get it. I mean, like, listen to Two Plus Tough's stories about it because he does summarize them in incredible detail. Um, y'all, you you gotta you gotta go listen. You just gotta. I mean, like, 
big, huge characters are like, I ain't going to say a whole lot, but stuff's changing radically. It's get season one of Game of Thrones. Like, get out there. It's I mean, so Joe, good. if you really want to, we can just make a series about the Broken Realms books. We can just go get the Broken Realms books that have been released and just do stuff about them and then do the ones that come out. I want to do it for Bellacore anyways. Oh, my Lord. I'm going to be a one-man show playing every part as I have a, a full-stage production here in this room that I record in. Because um, seriously, like, a lot of my gripes have AOS team done took them. So, like, to end on a more positive note, go just go, y'all. Go listen. Doug from 2 Plus Tough will not steer you wrong. He cuts to the heart of it. Just go do it. Go. It's going to be great. Um, in the meantime, though, if you have other ideas on how to improve these books, or like you have your own thoughts that maybe we can incorporate, or thoughts for that we could incorporate in one of the future episodes we talked about here, like maybe the future of Wargaming, leave them down below. Uh, if you're a YouTube watcher, drop them in the comments. If you're the majority of our listeners and you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or uh, Podcast Addict or something like that, reach out to us on social medias. Uh, they are linked wherever you're watching this or down in the YouTube description again. Uh, we'd love to hear from you there, as always. We'll happily take any feedback and incorporate it into the show or episode ideas. We'd love yeah. to take them. Disagree with us if you want to. Argue with us in the comments. It'll be great. It's so good. Don't have enough disagreement in my life. Got to up that level. Yeah, we got to <laughs> pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Don't have enough yeah. fighting going on. <laughs> you know what I love? Two things. Chicken tenders and phytan. <laughs> Kaitans. Okay. Kind of. I mean, yeah. I do actually own a Kaitan. Of course you do. Plastic addict. World but for leaders. now... <laughs> <laughs> That's been all of our opinions. Bonafide Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all next time.